keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Awesome. Tomorrow's going to jump up and explain that one to us. Well, does what you do affect what God thinks of you? We live in a world that constantly judges us on what we do, how we perform. You guys know this, don't you? You've grown up doing NAPLAN each couple of years and that pressure on you guys as students and your school as a whole. Um, Judging your performance, look, at some level, it does make sense to have our performance assessed, but the focus on judging by what we do can become a burden, can't it? The stress of constantly being measured can be something that's a real source of anxiety and depression for people. I know you guys, a bunch of this, really struggle with it at school. Even worse, the demand for performance can affect our friendships, our relationships and our family life. Sports teams, Instagram likes, social media reactions, to be honest posts, ratings. We are constantly being judged by what we do, aren't we? Is that how it works with God? Is my relationship with God based on my performance? Well, tonight we're going to think about what does it actually mean to be a Christian? And how does what I do fit into that? How does what I do affect the way that God treats me and whether I can go to heaven? Now, there is a lot of confusion about this question. Here are some of the answers that people give about what it takes to get to heaven. A, be a good person. B, trust Jesus and nothing else matters. C, trust Jesus plus be good enough. I want you to think for a second, how would you answer that question? Just in your head, think. What would your answer be? What it takes to get to heaven? Well, the Bible says none of those are the way. Does that surprise you? If you're surprised, you should probably be worried. The question was, how do you get to heaven? That's a pretty important question to have the answer to. Well, tonight we're going to see what the answer is. We're going to see what it actually means to be a Christian. Now, the problem that I've had this week as I've tried to write this talk is that in the passage that we've read tonight in James, it's so helpful in correcting one of the misunderstandings we have about what a Christian is. But James is going so hard at correcting one misunderstanding that this passage doesn't deal so much with some of the other misunderstandings. And I realise that there are a lot of people in this room in very different places. When we answered that question before, a a lot of us would have got it wrong in really different ways. And so we're going to come back to James. I think what this passage has to say is powerful and challenging. 
But James is written assuming that you already have another misunderstanding corrected. And so we're actually going to start in another part of the Bible to lay some groundwork and then we're going to come back to James. So what does it actually mean to be a Christian? Well, firstly, you are saved by faith in Jesus, not by what you do. You might find this hard to believe. Take a look at the passage up on the screen. Uh, This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. Next slide. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Did you notice what God tells us here? Saved. You guys know what the word saved means? It means being rescued out of a bad situation. One time when I was six, I got stuck in a train that terminated and I ended up in an empty train in a train yard by myself. I was in a bad situation. I needed rescuing. The Bible says that we all need rescuing. We all need saving. Because the way you live means there's a problem between you and God. God is perfect, pure, holy and just, and we are not. Now, heaven is going to be perfect. No more hurt, no more pain, no more brokenheartedness, no more brokenness. The problem is our lives don't make the cut to get in. Let's think about this for a bit. And has anyone here ever done Tough Mudder or something like Tough Mudder? Or maybe like played a game of sport where it's raining and you got really muddy by the end of it, yep? Well, I don't know if after you did that, you've gone over to your mum to go home and she looks at you and she looks at her nice clean car and she looks back at you and she says, no way, there is no way you are coming in my car, you are going to ruin it you need a shower. Well, that is our situation when it comes to heaven. The standard for getting into the perfect place is perfection. Otherwise, you being there would ruin it. Our lives are far from perfect, aren't they? The lies you've told the way you've hurt your friends, the pain you've caused your parents, the way you've treated your creator, the good loving God who gives you everything and you've ignored and disrespected him. Every single person in this room is too dirty to enter heaven and live with such a perfect God in such a perfect place. You need a spiritual shower. Without that, you're headed for hell. That's why we need saving. But take a look at how you don't get saved. These verses say, it doesn't come from what you do. See, it says, this is not from yourselves. Again, it says, not by works. But why doesn't what I do make a difference? Why can't I just fix up my life from now on? 
Well, go back to the car. If you're dirty and gross and trying to get into your mum's nice car, you're standing at the door and you say, it's okay, mum. I won't add any more mud on from what I've already got. Has that solved the problem? No. If our lives are spiritually dirty, does it solve the problem if I don't add any extra sin from now on? No. Trying to be good from now on doesn't fix the sins you've already done. Okay, so doing good things won't save you. What does save you? Let's take a look. Verse 8 tells us that it is the gift of God. And it says it up there, by grace you have been saved. So that's what grace means. It's a gift that you don't deserve. Um, anyone want some grace right now? There you go. Oh, almost went to the wrong person. That is, that's grace. It's a gift that you don't deserve, just freely given. Is heaven really like that? God just hands it out, gives it out for free. He doesn't make you earn it. Well, that's exactly what the verse says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We have such a good God. (laughs) But how does that work? How is it okay for God to just let us come into heaven? Because remember, we're covered in mud. Our spiritual lives are dirty. How can he just let us in? Well, Here I have the privilege of telling you the most incredible news. It might be the hundredth time you've heard it. It might be the first. Let me tell you, despite everything in your life, despite your lifetime of looking at God and saying no, despite you rejecting him over and over again, God looks at you and he says, I love you. And so because God loves you and because our lives are so dirty and because we'll never reach the entry standard for heaven, he takes action. He takes incredible action. He sent Jesus to earth and Jesus lived perfectly, always loving others, always loving God. But the target of Jesus' life was death. Jesus ran towards his own death. Why? Well, because on the cross when he died, God took all the sins of all believers, all the millions of us, and he put them on Jesus' shoulders. God poured out his anger on Jesus for all the wrong that we have done. He took my sin, my jealousy, my anger, My selfishness, my lust, my lying, my hypocrisy, my pride, and all of yours as well, if you believe. And he put it on Jesus' shoulders so that sin could be punished completely and washed away in the blood of Jesus. That is the incredible grace of God. Because of what Jesus has done, you can receive that spiritual shower. If you put your faith in him, that's what verse 8 says, through faith. 
Faith is trusting someone to do something. Like you have faith in the chair that you're sitting in right now, that it will hold you up. Well, faith in Jesus means making a trust transfer. Making the decision to stop trusting your own life to be good enough to save you. And instead trusting Jesus and what he's done to save you. This is what it actually means to be a Christian. It's someone who's trusting in Jesus to save them. Is our relationship with God based on our performance, what we do? No, it's based on Jesus' performance. If you have faith in him, if you're trusting him and not your own life. Maybe you've never actually understood that before. Maybe your life has always felt too full of mistakes to become a Christian. Maybe you've thought that what it means to be a Christian was being good enough, and so you've just been waiting until when you'll finally be good enough so they'll let you into the club. Well, the news tonight is you don't have to wait. Jesus was good enough in your place, and he has been waiting to freely give you the gift of salvation the moment you put your trust in him. That is the first amazing part of the Bible's message. You are saved by faith in Jesus and not by what you do. But it raises this question. Does that mean I can do whatever I want? Can I just take Jesus as my get-out-of-hell-free card and then go crazy with sin? Well, James is written to, to answer that exact question with a huge no. He says that whoever does that hasn't really put their faith in Jesus. The scary truth that James points out is that it's possible to say you're trusting in Jesus and not actually be. It's possible to say you have faith in Jesus but it's all fake and you're not actually saved. That is frightening. It's almost certain that there are people in this room tonight who think they're in a relationship with God, who think they have faith in Jesus, but don't. So how do you know whether you'll be okay? How do you know whether your faith is real? Well, let's look at what James says about how to spot fake faith and how to spot real faith. Fake faith does nothing, but real faith shows in more than words. Fake faith does nothing. Make sure you've got James chapter 2 open. We're going to take a look at verse 14. And as we look, I want you to see the question that he asked and feel a bit of sarcasm behind it because he actually already answers the question in the way that he asks it. So take a look at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? The answer is no. That kind of faith can't save you. What kind of faith? Well, look at the middle of the verse there. It's faith that has no deeds, no actions. Why can't that faith save you? Well, he tells us in verse 17, it's because faith without actions is dead. 
Check out verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. If you don't have actions to back up your faith, your faith is dead. Dead. It can't do anything. It can't save you. So how do you spot whether you have dead, fake, pretend faith? Well, just like dead anything, you can tell it's dead because it does nothing. Now, this fish, is this a living fish? It is not a living fish. How do you know that? It's not doing anything. It's just, it's actually really gross. It's just dead. Okay, that's enough. You can spot something is dead because it doesn't do anything. And how can you spot something if, if it's alive? Well, it's because it's moving and doing stuff. Shh. How do you spot whether you have a live, real, true faith? Well, the thing about real faith in Jesus is it always leads to actions. It comes down to who Jesus is. He is the saviour, but he's also the Lord, which means your ruler, king. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, okay, Jesus, you can be my saviour, but you can't be my Lord. You can either trust him as your saviour and your Lord, or you don't trust him at all. And you can claim whatever you like. You can say whatever you like with your words, but your actions will show what you really are. James gives us an example of this. Take a look at verse 15. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Do you see how messed up that scenario is? You have food and one of your friends comes to you starving and you're like, oh, gee, that sounds terrible. Well, I really do hope that you find some food. See ya. Like, you might say that you care about them being fed, but you actually don't care at all. You can claim whatever you like, but your actions show what you really are. You might claim to have faith, but whether you do or not will show in your actions. Because actions are the evidence that your faith is real. Take a look at how James says it in verse 18. He says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Real, true, alive faith is shown in what you do. And I am not saying that you need faith plus actions to go to heaven. I am not saying that faith gets you parted the way there and you need to add actions onto it. No, that was option C, which is wrong. 
Jesus' death on the cross did everything that was needed for you to go to heaven. You don't need to add anything by your actions. You just trust Jesus to get you there. But the evidence that you have faith in Jesus is actions. Sticking apples onto a tree doesn't magically turn it into an apple tree. Acting, oh, but if it actually is an apple tree, it will have apples on it. Acting like a Christian doesn't magically turn you into a Christian. But if you are truly a Christian, trusting Jesus will make a difference in your life. You'll be able to see it in your actions. So, what do your actions say about you? If you're someone who claims to have faith in Jesus, is there any evidence that your faith is real? As we've been looking at James so far this term, we've seen a bunch of examples of actions that people with real faith in Jesus would be doing. Being people who don't just listen to the word, but who do what it says. We've seen people with real faith love the vulnerable and the weak. People with real faith keep trusting God when things get hard. People with real faith don't show favoritism. They don't just care about their friends or people who might look impressive. Next week, we're going to see that real faith shows in someone who is careful and thoughtful with their words. What do your actions say about you? The big question you need to ask yourself tonight is, do I trust Jesus, really? Do I see signs in my life that my faith is alive? This passage might be a wake-up call for you. I think we could be in three places after hearing all this tonight. Number one, you might have realised for the first time tonight that you don't need to wait until you're good enough to become a Christian. Because of Jesus' death, you can be washed clean and accepted by God today. Not because of anything you've done, but because of Jesus. You've heard tonight that that means trusting in Jesus as your Lord, as well as your Saviour. It will mean a change in your life. But you can start that life-changing relationship with your God tonight. If that's you, do it. Come back to God. Be forgiven. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in a moment when we pray. But secondly, you might be someone who's ended tonight really worried about whether your faith is real. Maybe you're not sure if there's any evidence that you are actually a Christian. What do you do if that's you? Well, the answer is not as simple as just start doing a bunch of stuff. The answer is not just grabbing a bunch of apples and sticking them on the tree. The answer is to go back to Jesus. It's faith that will lead to action. It's a true and living relationship with God that will lead to change in your life. And so if there's been no action in your life, 
it's worth having a look at your relationship with Jesus. It might be that you've never really believed and accepted what he's done for you. Maybe you didn't understand that you were coming into a relationship with Jesus as your Lord as well as your Saviour. If that's you, do something tonight. You might be ready to come back to Jesus tonight, to ask Jesus to save you and be your Lord. Do that when we pray in a second. But you might have realised that you're really not sure what's going on for you at the moment. Maybe you're not sure if your faith is real and alive. And if that's the case, don't try and deal with that alone. That's a hard place to be. We have a lot of the night left, and so you should spend some time talking to someone about that. Grab a leader or a friend and talk to them about how you're feeling. Talk to them about not being sure if your faith is real. But thirdly, you might actually have been someone who's been encouraged in their faith tonight. You can look at your life and see evidence that your faith in Jesus is real and alive. If that's you, praise God. Thank God for his word tonight and go away encouraged that you stand in Jesus, that your eternity is secure because of what he did for you on the cross. And keep going. Keep coming back to see what he's done for you and let that keep on fueling you to live for him. We're going to pray together now. And as we pray, it's going to be an opportunity for people who want to start trusting Jesus to decide to do that. Whether that's for the first time or whether tonight has been a wake-up call for you and you want to trust Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour from now on. We're going to pray three things. Sorry, thanks, please. Sorry for the way that I've lived, for ignoring God, for not loving him as we should. Thanks for Jesus, for that free gift of salvation. And please help me to live with Jesus as my saviour and Lord from now on. Let's pray. Dear God, I realise that my life is dirty and sinful and I want to say sorry. I'm sorry for ignoring you, for disrespecting you in my words and in my actions. I'm sorry for not treating you the way I should, for not loving you and I'm sorry for not treating others the way I should. I know that I need saving. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you that he lived perfectly when I couldn't. And thank you that he died in my place, that he took the punishment for my life so that I could be forgiven and washed clean. I am so thankful for your grace. Please help me to live from now on with Jesus as my Saviour and my Lord. Please let the faith I have in Jesus be seen clearly in my actions. Please help me to keep trusting Jesus for the rest of my life. Amen.